This is Shayna. And Chris. And we are Bad Queers. If you came out of the closet and got put in a box of stereotypes you don't belong to, then welcome to the Bad Queers Club. All right. This week in Queer Urban Dictionary, I have misgender. 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 Misgender is the act of incorrectly classifying another person's gender. Uh, It can refer to using the incorrect pronouns for someone or using their incorrect gendered language, i.e. sir or ma'am. My sentence is various media outlets have continued to misgender her. Misgender. Mm. And we hate Mm -hmm. to see it when it happens because people... Happens all the time. Advocate for the people when it happens. I think it's like every 1.7 seconds. Mm. Honestly. Somebody's misgendered. Honestly, mm. your math sounds very accurate. Yeah. It's math. That's science, statements. You know, you're out here. Geography. You're doing the work. History. Mm. Stopwatch. Social science. Yeah. Did you say stopwatch? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Coaching. Stopwatch. <laughs> Just whistles, all of it. All whistles, of it. All of it. P.E. Yep. Mm. P.E. Mm. Yeah. Taking it back. Mm-hmm. Did you I have a question a about PE after this? Oh God! Okay, okay, yeah, we're gonna. I, <laughs> I, like we I both just have Let me ask you this. Okay. Let me ask you this okay. because we grew up in Virginia in in military areas. Yes, we did. Did you have presidential awards? Yes. for PE. Yes, we okay. Did. No one outside of Virginia knows what the fuck I'm talking about, or maybe they are. But like when I talked to my wife or some of my friends that did not grow up in Virginia, they were like, "They made you do what?" And then I realized, oh God, I grew up in like a military area. Of course, they made us do this stuff. Like you used Ooh, to like obviously I the never V sit and reach. Put that together. A mile run. Yeah. yeah and then the I was like, holy hang. fuck. Flex arm hang and all that. And I'm sure maybe there was some variation of those tests, but like in Virginia, it was like you could get presidential awards. Yeah. Or whatever the fuck that was for doing that. But I was, it was like, like really you into went it. and like actually competed against yeah. other people and yep. you had to like do these athletic training things. Thankfully, yeah. I was not that motivated in PE to be like doing it. I was just like, <laughs> what is what is the minimum that I have to do? Only the only time yeah. I did it was with the beep test. Because okay. soccer. Was that the sprinting? That was sprinting? Yeah, that was the sprinting okay, back yeah, and forth. Yeah. But then once I got to high yeah. school, I'd be like, all right, what's the number I need to pass? Yeah, 30? exactly. And exactly. as soon as we hit that number, everybody tapped out. And then you had like the five people who decided to be overachievers. Or yeah. one year, some of us were like, we're going to do two more just to, just <laughs> yeah, to say just this. To, like, look at, you know, look at that. I probably peaked in intermediate school with like caring about it. Mm-hmm. And then middle school, you don't care. And then high school, it is like, what is the bare minimum? Yeah. Like, and then I never cared about like running the mile and getting a good time. I just didn't want to be like the slowest. So I would always run, like make sure I try to stay around like eight minutes or something. Oh, we would but then, negotiate with our coaches. Would, negotiate what? Like how, <laughs> what we had to do for the mile because they would get mad at us if we would walk it. So then we oh, would okay. like, negotiate like okay we're gonna walk the curves and run the straightaways oh yeah yeah and they'd yeah. be like okay uh, yeah, in high you school have to i sprint did it, but then yeah. you get to walk the curves and all of that that was our okay. negotiation okay i didn't have to do it in high school during the springtime mm. because i played soccer yeah. and i was like i mean come on and they were like okay yeah i was like oh, don't do fair. this I wish like i, I don't want to run a mile like come on like no. my coach didn't care yeah. he'd be like yeah go run the mile and then you have mm-hmm. practice after school have fun no they didn't care mm-hmm I was like, this mile will catch up to me. I don't need to do miles a day and all that. That's what's wrong with us. That's why some of us are children left behind, mm. including me, because of these things mm. that they put an emphasis on. I'm sorry. What is your term? Right, we just, <laughs> it's like our just, tangent. A little throwback to the a PE little, days. To the mm-hmm. PE days. But did you... I just... One more PE question, because I, I mm-hmm. have to. Um, yeah. Did you ever have a PE teacher that wore, like, the PE shorts with, like, the oh, collared yeah. shirt and oh, their little yeah. whistle? Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. That was actually, most of them wore some variation of that. Mm -hmm. Um, There might have been like one or two that didn't. Yeah. And they were like doubled as bus drivers. That's why I hate Tony TV's like videos are so funny because they're so accurate. The coach will be (laughs) the bus driver slash this and that. So yeah, no, they all wore the same thing. So, Mm. So woof. All right. Well, uh, back to my queer urban dictionary term. Uh, My queer Mm -hmm. urban dictionary term for this week is pegging. Mm. Pegging. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of anal talk in the media lately. So Mm -hmm. I felt that we had to talk about pegging. Anal's on the rise. You know, it, anal's on the rise. Anal is on the rise. (laughs) Anal is on its way up. Okay. Look at it. Look at it. Mm -hmm. Make it a whole comeback. Mm -hmm. Ah, Comeback. Mm. Yes. Thank I'm you. back. I see. Thank you. I see. 
I see. I'll give you that. Thank you. I'll give you that. I'm really proud of that. Um, The definition I found was really gendered, but I really feel like we have moved past this gendering of pegging. So the actual Mm -hmm. definition of pegging is reversed anal rather than the man penetrating the woman's ass or a guy's ass for gay anal. The woman wears a strap-on dildo and inserts the dildo up his anus. But I really think that it should just be the person with the penis penetrating the person with the vagina's ass. And then if it's flipped, the person with the vagina puts on the strap on and inserts the dildo up the person with the penis. But okay. Gender neutral yeah. things. That's my sentence now. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I feel like is happening here. So, uh, pegging. Welcome. What's your sentence? No, I'm okay. I was going to use that as my sentence, but now I'm going to say, <laughs> Oh, um, that was <laughs> pegging. Pegging is making a comeback for all the right reasons. Uh, mm. had to uh, I had to circle back even, even now to just make sure there we had the sentence. So. Wow. You're well welcome. Done. Well You're welcome. done. Every time I hear too. pegging, I think of Broad City. Because all anytime I think of pegging, I think of Broad City. Shout out to them. You know, what mm-hmm. uh what a what thing a to be known for. What a it's run. It's like, hey, like just Did you? if you met any of them and you were just like, hey, I think of your pegging episode. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that video of it was this white girl that last week was like supposed to go on a date in New York mm-hmm. and it was like during the hurricane mm-hmm. and all that. And it was like the guy lived like 10 blocks away. She lived like 80 blocks away. But like she went and like one of the things she said that was funny um, amongst other things like just even going on a date. Yeah. During a hurricane. Yeah. It's like, straights are not all right. Like, this is like exhibit <laughs> like 500,000 that they're not out okay. while it was actively flooding and everything? Yes. Yes. No, she documented it. I'll send you the video. But she said, um, what did she, I forgot exactly what she said, but she was like, you're either like a sex in the city girl or a broad city girl. And I think I know who I am. It's <laughs> like, yeah, no, that is a broad city episode I mean, right there. Like, welcome. Legit. Welcome to so, knowing who you are. That is yeah. finding yourself right there. Self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Now I got to show you that video. She like legit went on the date and she was like, I wanted to cancel, but she felt bad. And I was like, girl, this is <laughs> like, this is not the time. It's a hurricane. Like it's like your city ass. is being flooded. Yeah. There are rats floating down the street. Like no. she took her boots off to empty out the water and the water was yellow. No. So yeah. Shoot. Straights are not all right. She got so much stuff. I hope she goes and gets like a tetanus and a booster and all of the all other of the vaccines. Things. All and of the things. And then some because... Yeah. I, I don't even know if we have the science yeah. for what you would find in that. But okay. <sighs> yeah. You know, committed to the D. So here we are. Uh, this week, <laughs> <laughs> we have a special guest in with us. We have we actually mm-hmm. have like a solid month of guests that are coming up. So y'all better we do. tune in because we got people. We got people coming to chat and talk about things. So uh, today we have intimacy with Maya. Maya, who uses she, her pronouns, is an intimacy expert dedicated to making pleasurable pleasure more accessible. I was like, pleasurable, pleasure, more accessible. I'm going to use that <laughs> yeah, now. What That's what I'm going to yeah. do. Um, my stumble just became a win. So especially yeah. uh, for <laughs> queer, <laughs> queer people <laughs> and Black people, she has a bachelor's in gender and sexuality studies and is currently pursuing mm. her PhD in sociology. Some of Maya's research focuses on Black women and their sexualities, such as their perceptions of marriage, how society mm. shapes their relationships to their sexuality, and their sexual identities. In addition to conducting research and taking courses, Maya creates content for Instagram, writes articles, and leads workshops. In her free time, Maya loves dancing, talking about feelings with friends, and watching reality <laughs> TV. That's so wholesome. Talking That's about so wholesome. feelings with it. friends. <laughs> feelings with friends. I'm going to start adding that it. into my thing. So. <laughs> right. Feelings with talking friends. Talking about friends. Feelings with friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You imagine blocking off time on your calendar. To just like talk about feelings with friends? Feelings with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's we beautiful. should do it more often, though. We should it's do really it more beautiful. Often. Yeah. Feelings yeah. with friends, yeah. No, no, dead ass, though. Like, that's that's probably what we all need to do. Block off a little bit of time. Just a little bit. All that. We're going to do it. <laughs> all right. So excited to have Maya here. Maya, we actually, you first came on our radar with your Bad Queer Opinion video that uh, you tagged us in, and just like the coolest thing that we saw. And, you know, we were like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's dig deeper into and lurk 
on your profile and everything, um, see that you obviously are studying uh, gender and sexuality and you're an intimacy expert. So we're like, absolutely want you on this show. So before we get into our questions, how are you? <laughs> how are you doing? How are you? How are you feeling? I like to ask our guests or some of our guests this, but yeah, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Just want to check in, get a temperature check. Yeah. Yeah, good question, because I am a grad student. Um, I'm pursuing my PhD right now in sociology, and classes nice. started at the beginning of last week. So I'm tired right now, <laughs> um, to be honest. <laughs> but honestly, like I'm excited to be back in school, back to doing coursework and things like that, um, just learning how to juggle everything. But I was so excited for this opportunity, so I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Did you do anything fun over the summer before, you know, uh, classes started back up and coursework full speed? Yeah, so I am now living in Michigan and I recently moved from Chicago. And so all of my college friends like still lived in Chicago. I think that the pandemic like froze us all in the city. So we didn't actually move afterwards. Um, and so we just hung out a lot, did a lot of things outside, went to a lot of brunches, hung, hung out on the lake fill in Chicago, just did a bunch of random things. So that was definitely the highlight of my summer. And then I was also doing things for school. That's always a thing. But I would say the biggest highlight of my summer is that my girlfriend and I, Jasmine, went on our first major vacation together to Puerto Ooh. Rico. So that was a fantastic time. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, you know, want to get right into it. how do you define intimacy? Yeah, I like that question because I feel like often when people use the word intimacy or they talk about their intimate life, like they're mostly referring to sex. Like I feel like when couples are like, oh, yeah, like intimacy has been down lately, like they're mostly referring to not having as much sex as they previously did. Mm -hmm. And at least for me personally, I define intimacy in a broader way. So I define intimacy as just like sharing of oneself in connection with someone else sharing of themselves with you. So that's not just physical sharing, right? That's not just through sex, but that can also be emotionally. That can also be spiritually. It can be intellectually. It can be artistically and creatively. So I feel like there are all these different ways in which we can have intimate connections with other people. And I think it does us all like a lot of good to think more broadly about intimate connections. But I'm also interested to to see like what you guys think about when you hear the word intimacy. Like, how do you typically define it, or how do you feel like the people around you are using that word? I definitely think of sex. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, just, I think we're just like sex, right. I think we're just kind of conditioned <laughs> to think of intimacy as sex or um, some sort of like amorous connection. Like, I don't know why like foreplay mm. also came to mind as well, but just like a mm. connection that is going to lead to sex. I don't know why. Um, mm -hmm. Or I guess I kind of know why. It's, I, I feel that's the definition. But yeah, and re recently, like in the last couple of years, um, definitely like with um, uh, students like you and, and, and other people who are out there have like broadened what I think of... Uh, when I think of intimacy. So, yeah, but I definitely think of sex or used to think of sex solely with it. Yeah, I feel like that had a lot to do with like 90s R&B like videos, you know, <laughs> like exactly that was it. where it was like you're getting intimate. So it's like yeah. we're having sex where now I've definitely expanded my definition. And I think of it more when I say intimate, I think more so around, but it still, it still has that like physical nature though, where I'm like, oh, I can mm. be more intimate around this person. But like, there's a bigger feeling of safety where it's like, yes, I can do those like platonic type actions of cuddling and handholding or like mm. raising your back or coming up and giving you hugs from behind. And like how those are a bit more like when you've taken your relationship to the next level, you've gotten a bit more intimate in that way. And there's a bit more trust in like letting that person in like physically in that way. But also that hopefully that would carry over into like the things that you're talking about or, you know, like mm. pillow talks or like getting into like deeper subjects of conversation. But I definitely, again, it stems from like physicality and what <laughs> I'm working with my person to do more of. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up pillow talks because I feel like another common notion of intimacy is like, oh, I had a really intimate moment or like a really intimate conversation with someone. And I even think that that's still somewhat limiting in how we think about intimacy, because something that I've come to realize is that 
we often think about the pathway to building intimacy involves some level of talking. And some of that talking is like very necessary, like communicating boundaries, like for future sexual encounters. But also I've noticed this trend of like sharing traumas. Like once you've shared your trauma with someone, that means that you guys are like intimate now. Mm -hmm. And I think that obviously that's like a beautiful experience to like be able to share that part of your story and someone to receive it and see you. But like, we were talking about like there's other ways to build intimacy outside of talking and outside of having sex in terms of sharing like your creative ideas creating art together like having new experiences together and i feel like for my partner and i the pandemic really encouraged us to broaden our notion of intimacy with the lockdown and being at home and it was just the two of us and we weren't seeing anyone else like we had to think like okay we can't just go to a restaurant for a date night so what can we do here in this kind of small apartment that we have in chicago to feel like we're connecting in a new and creative way so i feel like the pandemic really opened my eyes personally as well to like the different ways that we can make intimate connections Mm -hmm. can i i want to circle back to the comment about the fact what do you think about like queer, especially the queer community? Because I feel like that's where we do it the most, where it's like, all right, it's it's almost like the second step of U-Hauling now. Like first step, U-Haul, second <laughs> step, sharing our traumas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know exactly what that's about. I think that that has a lot to do with like it becoming more normalized to talk about our traumas and like our feelings and stuff. And I think that that's great. And queer people and queer women in particular have like always been at the forefront of like ushering in new ways of connecting with each other, which is great. But yeah, I think we do go a little too far with it at times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I don't know exactly why that is, but like you said, just kind of like the second part of you hauling, like just the trauma, it's not trauma bonding, but the trauma sharing, Mm Um, perhaps a little too quickly um, for some people, not for all people, obviously. Nice. What do you, what got you into wanting to study, you know, gender and sexuality, but intimacy and yeah, just interpersonal relationships? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, I think the biggest is that when i read a lot of research articles that are about like black people in particular like that sociologists are writing and like these old white men are writing about black people it's always just like essentially the summary is it sucks to be black like that is just like like, article after (laughs) article after book after book (laughs) (laughs) you like read a whole article and it's literally the same conclusion for anything exactly and i just kind of got tired of reading that stuff over and over again as a black person who obviously experiences traumatic things because racism is a thing but also a black person who has a lot of joy in her life too and like is really intentional about like seeking that out and seeking out community and so the way that i kind of think of this is like okay these articles are a reflection of this notion that i have which is that oppressive systems one of the things that they give to the oppressed is depression like to be oppressed is essentially to be prescribed depression Um, And so when I think about intimacy and pleasure, I think about like, okay, that is the way of being that would come if we were in a more just world for black people and other marginalized people. So part of what I see myself doing is being a part of bringing that world into being by helping black people and queer people and marginalized people to experience more pleasure in their intimate connections and by giving more information and thought starters and resources as to like how we can experience more pleasure in our lives so that's really the biggest thing and the other thing that i'll say for now is that a lot of the like intimacy advice that i have come across and this has obviously changed especially with social media but a lot of intimacy advice is like never go to bed angry or have sex 2.5 times a week these like blanket (laughs) statements that are obviously not going to work for like every single person who encounters them and so I um, mentioned before that I'm in grad school for sociology right now. And so part of what my training is helping me do is looking at like structural forces, society at large, and how is that shaping how like individual people think about intimacy in their own lives? 
and then trying to illuminate that, that dynamic for the people that I talk to, the people that follow my page, with the hopes that they can then realize like, oh, actually, I don't really care about having sex 2.5 times a week. That's just been something that's handed to me. I would rather think about like, how can I make my sex life better, like more fun, more pleasurable, more creative, things like that. So I also am trying to not just provide like little one-liners of advice, but rather thought starters so that everybody has the thought starters that they need to create the intimate lives that they want at any given point of time. When you're looking so kind of, at yeah. like overall systems that have worked against Black people, anybody else who is like of melanation and seeing like us have to give ourselves permission to even think about yeah. the ways that we can go into thinking about our pleasure and our sexuality and how that can grow. What are some of the like initial obstacles that you have to work with people to kind of like get through? Mm, that's a good question. I'm going to pause here to think. I love a pause. I love a pause. I know. (laughs) I was like, as you were talking, I was just like, you think about so much how, you know, we did have that layout where it's almost, it's almost like the sexual version of the big white house with the picket fence and how we do these things. And we have more influence now where it's like, we're having couples like you and your partner, or we're having like small world collective, or we're having each of these like famous, we're having to brat, fucking finally come out and you know queen latifah laying on the ground taking pictures of folks but then it's like <laughs> man we had to go through a journey to be able to i had to talk about it it's yeah no it's all of the variations where it's like man when do we get to the point that we give ourselves permission to sit and be like yeah i also deserve to like feel great in the bedroom and try out all sorts of stuff or just like being yeah. intimate with partners how do i how do i get to that like thinking yeah. yeah, well, I feel like one of them is like around stereotypes. And for some black people, this is like a conscious thing that they're thinking about. For some people, it might be more unconscious. But I think that like we have these terrible stereotypes about black people and their sexuality roaming around. And I think some people feel as though they need to like distance themselves from those stereotypes. So like we're familiar with like the hypersexual black woman stereotype. So it's like, I don't want to talk about sex too much. I don't want to talk about it too openly. I don't want to do things that are too freaky or whatever so that I don't fulfill that stereotype because we know that there's all kinds of bad things associated with that stereotype. And then I also do think that sometimes for a lot of us, when we think about representational politics, like we have some limited depictions of what black sexuality can look like. And so we just feel like we have to pick from those. And so we're like picking from the stereotypes in a way. And I feel like both of those paths um, are totally reasonable and totally not black people's faults that they find themselves in these positions. But on the other hand, like you were saying, Shana, like it doesn't leave a lot of room for creativity and for like inward self-reflection about pleasure and your intimate life and if it's actually what you want it to be or not and things like that. Something that comes up sometimes, and I mean, obviously it's top of mind for us as Black people are like, I feel like we look at intimacy and sex in terms of like, I'm honestly just too stressed out or just not present Mm. to be intimate. Um, And especially, you know, after the year and a half we've had, Mm -hmm. um, how would you, what tips or just any advice you would give for folks that do feel like I do want to be more intimate or more present with my partner, but I am like, I might not feel good or I might not feel present or yeah, I'm just too stressed with like everything that's going on. Like it's kind of hard to lock in. Yeah. So another great question. And I feel like the biggest thing is look at your foreplay life as opposed to your sex life. for a minute if you're Mm -hmm. finding yourself in this situation so i think a lot of times people think about foreplay as just like the few little like touching and kissing that we do for a few minutes before we do the real thing Mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily agree with that i feel like it's kind of limiting to think of um foreplay like that but then i also know that there are a lot of queer people who are like opposed to the idea of foreplay because of that notion that like the real thing is penetrative sex and some of us are not interested in that or Um, just don't want to center that in ways that um, heterosexual people have come to do. So there's a lot of, I think, interesting feelings around foreplay. 
And one thing that I can offer around foreplay is thinking about it as a time where you connect with your partner in a sensual manner. So it doesn't have to be a sexual manner, but it can be a sensual manner. So some people like to take this approach of like having a window of possibility, I think is what it's called, where it's like for 15 minutes, we'll massage each other, we'll kiss, we'll strip in front of each other, we'll play a sexual game, like we'll take body shots off of each other, things like that. And if at the end of that 15 minutes, we want to do more, great. And if not, then that's great too. We just had this really amazing and fun way of like engaging with each other in this physical way. So I think that's one way to kind of take the pressure off of it and try to get a little bit more creative with the like pre-sex part. Mm -hmm. And also just like biologically speaking for most people. So the more that you remind your body how good it feels to be in connection with another person, chances are like your desire for sex will increase after that point. So I think that this is a pretty good like roadmap to follow. But then also for other people, it's like, yeah, the stress is just so high or like the body image issues are just so high and even trying something like that won't do much. And so at that point, then it's like really about the internal work. Um, and that's something that like a journey that I've gone through throughout the pandemic, just like thinking about myself and my body and just getting comfortable in it, feeling like it deserves pleasure. And also like not holding it to a perfect standard so I can be a bit of a perfectionist at times. And so not being like, okay, like every time I have sex, it has to be perfect. But rather just being like, every time I have sex, like I want it to be what I can allow it to be essentially. Um, so yeah, those are two things. Um, but what are kind of like pieces of advice that y'all have heard? like? when you're not having enough sex like or people generally just like get it together like just find a way or have you heard some more kind of like empathetic responses to those kinds of concerns it's definitely leaning um now it's a little bit more empathetic i think pre-pandemic people are more like just like get it together or why aren't you prior prioritizing it um mm. and everything um now it is yeah more about just kind of the personal journeys of like what what do I like? What is intimacy for me? What is um, sensuality for me? You know, what do I actually mm -hmm. like? Um, and also what what possibilities will I try or things that I might have been previously closed off to exploring? Like, mm. why am I closed off to that? Like, is there, you know, heteronormative or just like anything associated with that? That's not really true to me, but just something I picked up on. Um, I did want to say before I go on that I like window of possibilities instead of saying foreplay, that mm. just sounds, that sounds more fun. Yeah. I like that a lot better than the word foreplay because foreplay, I don't know, I guess because, you know, branding wise, like now it's kind of like, yeah, what, what goes along with that? Like, but window of possibilities is cool. Um, yeah. I would just say, as you mentioned, Maya, like figuring out like what really kind of what is authentic to you when it comes to intimacy and sensuality is like really kind of the first step with things and all that, because there are yeah. things like my wife and I, um, you know, we know each other's love languages, but, you know, actually making an effort to love each other in our love languages is like a big part mm. of like um, intimacy for us and everything. Like I am words of affirmation, but I also love affection. Um, and, though she didn't grow up with too much affection, I had to define for her, like, I'm not talking about like, I need a hug every day or just like, you have to hang all over me. I might just need you to just touch my back. Just touch my back. <laughs> put a hand yes, on me I'm and, the same way. and I'm good to go. Like, I am good. My tank is full. And then for her, like, acts of service, like, for me, that's so broad. Like, I'm like, am I mop? Like, what am I doing? Um, and like, just <laughs> like making sure, like, I'm really like, getting to the bottom of like what makes her tick, what really does kind of fill her tank up and, and, you know, like keeps us like connected and strong and, you know, me being present. So um, hopefully that's helpful to somebody, but that's, I've had to do a lot of like internal work for sure in the last year and change. Yeah. 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 It's a whole thing. And I, mm -hmm, I was just going to add that, like with learning each other's love languages and things like that, like also knowing that they might change over the course of time or depending on what phase of life someone's in. Like I know for me, words of affirmation used to be pretty important to me, 
but now not as much. And I just think for me, that has to do with like, I'm able to affirm myself in ways that I had a harder time doing at like 19 and 20. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, just being open to getting to know your partner like over and over and over again. Yeah, I think that's the key thing. I saw something where this guy had talked about the fact that he had basically dated his wife eight different times because she had become Mm. this whole person within her growth and she hit these new journeys and he got to go with her for the ride on that. And I loved the way he phrased it and saying like, yeah, like you are, you are choosing to continue to be in love with the person that they become. You're not going to limit them to being just like your high school sweetheart that you've been with forever or this person that you met the first time. Um, years ago and they should just stay just like that keep them in that little box of like this is who i fell in love with and instead understanding that like people evolve and they grow and if you're not willing to like grow with them then is that the right person and things for Mm. you and i loved like seeing that just to hear that discussion um around like growth i don't think a lot of people talk about like partner growth and how you know Mm -hmm. you're going through changes you're changing jobs you're moving you're um being in different environments that are going to bring out different things Mm -hmm. you're bonding with different people like that also Mm -hmm. has an impact too and you're supposed to change like you you should want (laughs) you Mm -hmm. should want to change you should want your partner (laughs) to change and everything like yeah like i i know i guess humans are just wired to like not like change but like you should be like when but it's like that's the only consistent thing in life is that things yeah. are gonna change and we just have to accept that. Mm, who who sure. started that trend of being like, I don't like change? I know. I don't know. I think we'd be right to just be like, oh, wait, like this isn't what I like initially signed up for. But it was like, but that's you know, depending on where you are in your relationship, how many years ago? Like, why would you mm-hmm. want that same person? You're not that same person, like whether you're cognizant of it right. or not. So yeah. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, what what obstacles do you get when you're, you know, just talking about intimacy and love with like feminine presenting people and masculine presenting people? Like, are there, uh, I'm sure there's similar and different obstacles, but can you speak to like what issues that may kind of arise when you talk to those uh, different groups within our community? Yeah. So I'm going to take a another minute to think but this is a question that i had a lot of like a really hard time coming up with with an answer for um in part because i feel like more so the lines of difference that i have noticed throughout time are like were you socialized as a woman or were you socialized as a man Mm. i feel like Mm -hmm. those sometimes play at least in my experience a bit of a bigger role in terms of how um, people think about intimacy and sex. Um, yeah, because I think that for queer people as well, like I think that we've always had a history of redefining like femininity and masculinity and like what that means to us. And it can kind of vary depending on like what part of the country you're in or like what racial queer group you're talking to. So I had a hard time thinking about um, like commonalities across feminine and masculine presenting but more so like where you socialize as a guy or girl. Yeah. Um, that's a cool way to, that's what a cool about way to phrase you all? it. Yeah. Cause then it's like, I also think like that has something to do with, you know, what generation of queer you are as yeah, well. For sure. When mm-hmm. it comes to like, what's the millennial as compared to the boomer as compared to a Gen Z. And I think that ties into what you're saying because, you know, us all of us growing up in like the dmv area and you think back to like old school studs where it's just like this is who i am this is what i'm gonna be this is the definition but people didn't think anything past like the stud feminine or the butch feminine it was like you're going to do this and then we're falling into this area and that is this is our line but now it's like and then with millennials i feel like there's like a nice little mix of us who some of us are open to being like yeah i can be a stud who wears makeup and also bottoms and things where some of mm-hmm. them are still like, no, no, this is what I learned. And this is how mm-hmm. I was raised. And this is who my mentor was and how, you know, what I don't even know if we have queer mentors, but sure. Um, mm-hmm. How that worked. But then like with Gen Z, they're just breaking down all of those barriers. Yeah. Right. In yeah. terms of like their gender and their identities. And so I think it's going to be an interesting 
conversation like evolving to see like also yeah as you said the socialization of whether you're raised more feminine or more masculine but then as they explore that when they're getting older like what changes come from there especially now that we're starting to see more acceptance in like a more fluid area as we get older um and as we start getting more like visibility on tv and with celebrities and different things i think there's so much opportunity for us to kind of like expand on just like that trope of like how emotional can you be how expressive can you Mm be um who's doing what in the bedroom and things like Mm -hmm. that and it kind of like i feel like there was a lot of like ego that would come with that Mm -hmm. and i think some people are starting to like humble their egos a little bit and And just like untie your identity to what you were brought up you know, thinking and unlearning because like mm. as someone who's socialized to like look at men and black men specifically on how to mm. love and stuff like that. I was very always really cognizant of of like black women's feelings and everything. But because I identified more of a masculine presenting person in energy, I was like, OK, well, then that's that's how they love. That's how. I should and everything, even though, and that's Shana, kind of what you were talking about being a millennial, where it was just like, some of this isn't adding up. Like I think Mm -hmm. before knowing the, you know, toxic masculinity being like coined and and all that, um, it was like, this, mm -mm, I don't, I don't really like how this is, but it it was probably like, that was a lot of these things were like what it was to be a man or, you know, to be dominant and everything, even though we, knew it was like not, you know, it wasn't right or it wasn't authentic. So um, for me, it's been the kind of unlearning a lot of like the toxic masculinity that I just picked up on because I was mm. just like, yeah, it was very rigid. Like you, if you're a stud or you're a butch or you're a dyke, you're going to act a certain way. And not only do other, like your peers in that expect that from you, but you know, the people you're trying to attract expect that. Like fems yes. will, you know, uh, uh, expect that. So we're getting out of that. I think Gen Z is like obviously busting things down, but also holding up a mirror to like, but do you want to be that way? Like, do you, you know, you are just mm-hmm. like one of the greatest things about being queer is that we can get away from like those heteronormative things. So like, why are we still holding on to them? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're like, obviously in a good time where we're like all like, mm, even, you know, there's toxic masculinity, there's toxic fit toxic femininity like mm-hmm. what don't yeah. we need like mm-hmm. you know what doesn't serve us what you know so it's like it's a good time I think you know just the discussions that we're having so yeah I absolutely agree with that and I'm glad you brought up generations both of y'all because I kind of sit at like the borderline of Gen Z and millennial mm-hmm. so I think that it makes sense that I'm like well I don't know if there's that many trends because a lot of the people around me are like questioning these things um, in ways that, yeah, are really great, but make it harder for me to identify trends sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. Are you an elder? Would you consider yourself an elder Gen Z? That is the thing. I do. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I consider myself to be. <laughs> Breaking the barriers That's for so us funny. being yeah. elder Gen Z. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think I'm like middle age exactly. millennial and all that. I'm like, no, we're middle. like, we're like, we are the actual millennial. We are. There's yeah. no, there's no other yeah. for us. We are the heart of well, the millennial life. <laughs> yeah. We're like, but we're like in the middle of it because we're not like elder millennial and all that. And we're not, you know, the young ones. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we are the heart. Middle age. We're the, like we are we're the heart. Brand, it, yeah. We are brand we millennials. Are. Yeah. We are <laughs> right in the middle. They're talking about us. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They're so when they say us. you do all <laughs> those stereotypes, it is us and yeah. people who are within like a year or two of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so there was a lot of things like, yeah, even as like in middle school, in high school, when in and even in college, like when these things like I didn't come out until college, but like even just watching mm-hmm. how things went in high school and everything and the dynamics, it was like, I mean, I can, I mean, I'm a stud, but I'm not a stud like that. And I don't really, mm. you know, I don't really vibe with that, but I also don't vibe with that. So, but that was the world. Like that was like, it, at least, and I, and I know in like some like mm. smaller areas, it's still like that. I know the internet has opened things up, but like that is the way, like if had I not, I mean, had the internet internet not be what it is or social media um and had i not moved away i probably would have just been like all right you just gotta fall in line like this is this is what it is so um yeah i'm glad that we're able to kind of have these discussions about like this doesn't really serve us this is strange Mm -hmm. shit 
Yeah, in a way. This yeah. is some so, straight shit. That's this is it. some straight shit, honestly. So <laughs> <laughs> doesn't make any sense at all. Like I couldn't explain like half the things I was like, maybe I didn't agree with, but I was like, I mean, that's if that comes with the package, then you know, that's what you have to do. But yeah. 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 For sure. That's real. What are some what are some other myths or uh straight shit that came into the queer community uh that you've like <laughs> noticed when it comes to intimacy or that like are reoccurring trends that you see. Yeah, so y'all talked about lesbian bed death before and I've talked about it because I really hate that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that like, I was talking about before this notion of like having sex 2.5 times a week is like checkbox, like my sex life is good moving on from there. It's something that has infiltrated the queer community, especially I think as like we are in in more like consistent partnerships over the course of time. And I think that that notion is pretty problematic um, because one, it assumes that like, if you want to have intimate sex, that the sex you're having is intimate because you're only questioning the frequency of the sex. You're not actually questioning like the quality of it for you. and so just by having this notion that like, okay, if you're having sex, it must be intimate. So you must be like happy with it. Um, really just takes away a lot of people's agencies to question their sex lives like we've been talking about. So I think kind of like decoupling like this notion of like sex equals intimate kind of needs to go um, so that people can start to ask themselves like, well, what is intimate sex for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and am I actually having that right now? Um, and does it require me to have sex two times a week or maybe it requires me to have it more or less or I'm not even thinking about the number. So that's one that I feel like has kind of come into our community, unfortunately. Yeah. And I've been the victim of that one too, like, which is why I keep talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real thing. You'd be like, oh my God, like, am I having enough sex? And then it's like, yeah, like you mentioned, like, but when I do, it's pretty quality. So right. <laughs> it should be fine. But yeah, yeah it, it does. Like that lesbian deathbed thing is like, I think sometimes we try and fight so hard for that not to be a thing where it's like, mm-hmm. it's actually not a thing, but like we just right. have hyped it up. It wasn't a thing to begin with. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Somebody just had to put a name on it because right. it made them feel better to be like, yeah, this is a thing that happens. Right. 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 And Everybody of course else. there's like ebbs and flows. Like we talked about it before, Shana, where there's like, I mean, if if you do believe in like sparks and everything, like there's still just ebbs and flows. Like there's going to be mm-hmm. like a feast right. or famine time where it's just like, you know, so many things going on, whether that is like, you know, environmental or whatever, where it's just like, yeah, you might be having a lot of sex uh, during a certain period. And then sometimes you just don't. But it's like it really is kind of an right. ebb and flow thing. Like, um God bless the people who could just like consistently have sex all the time. But, you know, <laughs> I think the only time I would have done that was when I was younger, like when right. less responsibilities and more time and everything. But it just doesn't work that and way. And even I, then you were yeah. still like figuring it out and it was yeah. sloppy and weird. Yeah. But then can't say it was quality back then. You know, like, <laughs> we got to try all of this stuff and see what yeah. happens. And hopefully something yeah. sparks. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I also um, read this stat that said that essentially like the if we think about like queer or sexual identity sexual orientations the sexual identity that has sex the most often typically is gay male males and on the opposite end of that spectrum is typically gay females but when you think about the spectrum of how long are these people having sex for gay females are on the high end of that and gay males are on the low end of that. And like straight couples are in the middle in both of those scales. And so I think that's really interesting because like, I feel like lesbian bed death is kind of based off of this notion that like, oh, well, like gay women don't have sex that often. But if we like, if our point of reference was like the longevity, then we'd be having an entirely different conversation. So it's just really interesting how like when you read these statistics and like some of these things that are like feeling these like one liners, Mm -hmm. like there's more to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for that stat. Number one. The timing. Yeah. <laughs> the quality yeah. is there. The quality, so. the timing. And it's so funny because that actually matches up with like, how people talk on dating apps 
as well. Like, remember, mm. we did, Chris, mm. I don't, this was before you worked at her. We did this mm. whole comparison between her and Grinder, and to see when, how long it took before people met up in person. And it showed that, like, for somebody who's talking on Grinder, it could take, like, less than an hour of speaking and they were meeting up. But for queer women, it took up to, like, 24 mm. hours of talking. Mm-hmm. And then they would go and meet in person. And it's that's just that's just hilarious how it just Makes carries sense. across and all wait, how do gay men do it? That's so much. <laughs> it's just it's too much. Volume game over there. How do we like, how do we power to them? Wow. <laughs> do it. That's so Couldn't much there. It. So Maya, I'm gonna switch gears and start asking some questions about you. So mm. how right. did you meet your partner? Yeah, so we both went to the same school for college. She was two years above me. Um, and so I did like a summer camp uh, the we, summer before my freshman year. And she was one of the counselors. Um, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the funny thing is that we actually never talked like during the entire program. We did not have a single conversation. Um, until the end of the program. So even though she did, she, yeah, she did. But at the time I was straight. So I didn't know how to conceptualize like that. I had a spark towards a woman. Mm -hmm. I was just like, "Mm, like, isn't that I like her style? Yeah. Just a person. Yeah. It's a style. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So then what happened is the last night of the summer program, I drank a little too much. And so she, as the counselor had to like, take care of me make sure i got back to the dorm safely all these things and then i messaged her the next day like wow that was so embarrassing but thanks like appreciate you and then we were like friends for months after that um again because i had no reference point for like having a crush on a woman at the time and then after a while we were like oh actually there's there's more here um and we went on our first date to the um like neighborhood in Chicago, which is Boys Town. Uh, she planned it and we went to dinner and watched a movie and she bought me chocolate covered strawberries oh, and did the whole thing up, brought me breakfast in bed the next day. <laughs> and yeah, we've been dating ever since. Awesome. She's got to come in cool. strong. Yeah. Had it planned Real out. Real strong, <laughs> right? <laughs> How does like, your, that's wifey. How does your studies like <laughs> work out in your in your relationship does it help does it hinder at times like how does it play out you said being out no i'm sorry how does the study your studies and your work and intimacy like play out in your relationship does it help does it hinder yeah yeah i think it mostly helps um because another reason why i got into studying this stuff was to like help myself as well because I like had these hunches that like the things that I was hearing around like weren't really that helpful, but this like perfectionist side of me like still wanted to like keep up with like all of these little like random one-liner pieces of advice. Yeah. I was like, there's just gotta be a different way. So part of my like education on the topic started with myself and like wanting to just have like a calmer relationship to my own sexuality and then like in our relationship. And I definitely think it's had that impact. So I think it's mostly helped. But there are moments where I'm like, oh, we have to make sure we do like this. Like, let's have a, a random dance session right now so that we're being physically intimate. But no pressure for sex. But maybe if you want sex, we can have it. But let's just really focus on dancing. And then just doing the whole thing. And she's like, all right, girl. <laughs> so I think it mostly helps. But who knows? She might have a different take on that. I'll have to ask her. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like, yeah, I was going to say, do you ever find yourself, like, testing her or being like, okay, come here. And then you're, like, trying something, but it may not feel, like, natural to you yet, but you want to try it. And does she, like, tune in to be like, are you, is this a project or <laughs> are this? we watching a movie? Yeah. Like, what's, what's happening? Paper, this research, what are we, what are like, because right yeah. now we're only getting a B on it and it's not, we could... <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i think the way that like my research and coursework impacts us is like i always want to talk about these like deep theories of gender and i'm like so you know gender is like not real like it's entirely fake and if we really think about it the only way we come into being is through interaction and she's like 
no see like her degree was in neuroscience and she's trying to become an engineer now so sometimes like i just go a little too far <laughs> with it so it definitely had there's pros and cons but she does say that um it's more interesting hearing like deep theories about gender and sexuality than like if i was in school for like physics or something so she does appreciate that element of it to balance it out yeah it's yeah <laughs> i love that i love that well before we transition over to uh our bad queer opinions we're gonna wrap up a final question for you so if there was something that you could go back and tell yourself at the beginning of this wonderful relationship that you have now what would you tell yourself mm. oh wow that's good advice I honestly would say take a deep breath, like calm down, relax into it, like allow yourself the space to discover yourself, even if it means having like uncomfortable conversations because you don't actually know what you're trying to say or get across or what queer identity you're trying to identify with. I think that I got very frustrated with myself at times for trying to have conversations where I didn't really know what I was trying to say. And like, that's totally normal in relationships where you have that level of emotional trust. Mm -hmm. And so I would just say, like, just take a deep breath, like just have more fun, laugh a little more, like don't get so stressed about not having all the answers. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. That's sound advice for us all. Right. And for all the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So we're going to head over to our bad queer opinions. Shana, I'm excited to hear yours, but <laughs> I'll start. I'll start just because mine is just a um, co-signing an opinion. Mm. Uh, so I'm co-signing this opinion from Erica Randall, uh, who has an article on her blog, The Fab Femme Magazine. That's ttfmag.com if you haven't been. Um, but really good article called 30-something and figuring it out. Um which basically mm. says you don't have to have everything figured out on or before your 30s uh, or mid 30s. That's um, I know. God, I was like, yes, it's a really good article. She has like I was five. Like, I'm still going to be in the space where I have no idea what's happening by the time I hit 40. <laughs> yeah, continue. but that was a, that was a point too. It's like even in your 40s and maybe even your 50s. Like I don't. I, there's this like thing of like trying to get its destination. Um, I forgot the term for it, but. Um, you don't have to have everything figured out. I think we have definitely grown up in a society where we we do feel like we have to. I know in the queer world, especially like I earlier on, like felt like, no, I have to do well because like of, you know, being in the closet and having to just like prove people wrong, um, which to some extent I kind of have me and my gay cousin talk about that we're like pound um but but you don't like you don't have to have like certain things at a certain time like it is you do have to kind of run your race with things and everything especially since we now know uh in the last year and a half like how life is bleeding it can change in an instant and mm -hmm. it's mostly out of our control so like don't feel like you have to have things uh figured out at a certain age or time just like you know, figure out your happiness, figure out yourself and just like, you know, enjoy as much as you can. So definitely want to shout out Erica Randall for this article on um, the Fab Femme magazine. Yeah, yeah. Shana. Yeah, that, that's such great advice. And I'm not sure if this was addressed in the article, but I also read this article by like a historian saying like this whole notion that you have to have it figured out by 30 is like based off of when our lifespan was a lot shorter than it is mm -hmm. right now. Mm. Makes like, sense. Yeah. So <laughs> we live many, many years after turning 30. Like, yeah. why would we want to, like, reach our apex then? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's yeah. a good call. That's a good call. Um, my bad queer opinion is not as inspirational, but talks on the hot topic <laughs> for this week, um, which was Lil Nas X's pregnancy album announcement. And just, mm -hmm. man... The reactions that went across the internet is, you know, it's actively exactly what little Nas X works for. He works mm -hmm. for that shock factor and he's very good at it. He's so good. I can also only imagine mm -hmm. what it was like growing up for him, like with his family and how, because, yeah, now that he has like unlimited funds to just like do this, it's incredible to like watch his brain work. But honestly, 
And I personally, I'm not going to speak to anybody else's experience because if people felt that it was some type of way for them, then you have the right to feel that way. For me, personally, my bad queer opinion is I don't think that Lil Nas X's pregnancy announcement was problematic. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was there for shock factor. I think if there was a lot of discussion around his post and how people were like, this is transphobic or how... Um, I mean, mainly around like the transphobicness of it. And I was like, I can understand the narrative. I think it's moving a little far. Also how it crossed over to like a more like anti-racist type discussion that I think like Pink Manta Ray, uh, Skylar Bailari, like he had to have that discussion live because this isn't the first time that this has happened. Like we've had plenty of white men in history, including fucking Cosmo from uh, <laughs> Fairly, Fairly Odd, Odd Parents, Parents yeah. like doing the same thing and how we've previously had um, like episodes and series where this has happened. For me, I just think it was like another little Nas X funny shock factor that while now I think we're in a space where people are playing more with gender and like gender roles and gender stereotypes. And I think that his announcement one did open up a lot of conversations. Obviously it pulled out all of the haters and the people who are phobic and doing whatever out of there. But I think that we're moving into a time where like we should be playing with the different things that gender can do. And mm -hmm. each of his things are just announcing like an album. It's not him like being disrespectful or doing anything crazy with this baby bump by any means. Like I just think it's not problematic. Yeah. I mean, it was a playoff of the the Drake album that, you know, it's fine for a heterosexual man to have like a whole CD cover of women that are pregnant. And, you know, uh -huh, like, and discussing the fact that he's going to go. And then like one of his songs, right. I just saw like this TikTok that broke down where he can discuss how, oh, I'm going to go and have sex with all these women so that I can like have a baby and do whatever, even though that's a whole other conversation to say like the timing of certified lover boy coming out when the Texas abortion man goes in place and all yeah. those things is a whole other discussion, but it's a whole thing where it's like nobody's, ha yeah, like you're saying, nobody's having issues with Drake having a whole cover of just like okay. pregnant women, but they then thought it was the clever. moment mm. that Lil Nas X comes out and does this because it's against all of the things that we know and understand as a heteronormative <laughs> How society. How my child? How? <laughs> right? How? How? <laughs> How? How will they understand? How, How? will they know? <laughs> like it's a fake belly. Like in every photo, he has to hold it. Like it's it mm -hmm. is literally fake. But it's also just like he's delivering his art. Like it's not <laughs> we've seen pregnant literally men before. delivering his art. Someone mentioned that movie. It's an old '90s movie, but I didn't watch it. That Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito movie where he. Mm -hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger was like pregnant the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, this is stupid, but this is exactly what he wants though too. Like, I don't know why people keep kind of falling for like, that's what he does. Like, this is yeah. Little Nas X. So if anything, it's, it's really good uh, advertising. I don't know if you saw, he put up yesterday a registry um, that you could send, but they, it, his registry is um, all of these organizations uh, that you could support and everything. So it's just, I mean, I he's he's smart. He's a genius at marketing and all that. And, mm -hmm. you know, if Kanye could do his crazy shit, then, you know, Lil Nas X could do his stuff. <laughs> Kanye so. and Drake can come and out Drake. with their same stuff around the same time. And this is the thing that you're talking about. I need you to reevaluate. Right. Mm -hmm. Things yeah. that you're talking about. That part. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Maya, right. what is your back for your opinion? Yeah, so this is one I talked about in the video that I made, but I just want to amplify it and say it again, yes. which is that we need better gay icons. Mm. And I personally am just not a fan of the definition that we've attached to this phrase, which is just like celebrities that like white, cis, gay men love. Um, when there's like actual gay people who are iconic, Lil Nas X being one of them. So yeah, I just remember the first time I heard that phrase, I was really, really confused as to why like Ariana Grande was associated with that phrase. Like mm -hmm. I just didn't understand. And then after learning more, I'm like, oh, that's how we define this phrase. That's such a bummer because there's so many iconic gay people. So that's my bad queer opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the more that we like as a community, black queer community also like push back on that where it's like, no, no, keep ponytail and Ariana over there. Like that's not, <laughs> it's 
It's not an icon. Like she's very talented, but no. Um, we just have to it's amplify like we our do icons. Have, yeah, I know. It's like we have actual people. We do. We do. We Sometimes people. I do get sad. I, I mean, I I think we talked about this before, but do you think? Though, Maya, that sometimes it's because our community is so secretive or or we, because of a number of reasons, like some of our icons do have to stay in the closet. Like, for instance, like mm. Queen Latifah has always been a queer icon to me, but I couldn't really say it until, like, didn't say it until she laid down yeah. on the ground and <laughs> took a says, photo of her girlfriend. Yeah. Exactly. Or either like Luther Vandross is like pretty Luther. much confirmed now, but it's like, that also took a while to kind yeah. of trickle out. Mm-hmm. You got a little Richard. You, I mean, just, you know, obviously it's just hard for our icons in the past, which we have some, Whitney Houston is my icon. Um, mm. It just is kind of hard because of just how our dynamics are. Like, I think that has something to do with it, but like, we could definitely talk up our yeah. icons more, like for sure. There's yeah. Some- yeah, I agree with that. I didn't think about that. Um, but like we were saying, like, this is changing and like the list of like gay, queer, trans, bi, iconic people, it's like pretty lengthy at this point in time. So like that was definitely a reality before, but it's not an excuse now. Like we have a long list to pull from now. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we really do. We could have our own GLAAD awards now or just like a black queer, like kind of awards thing or just. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to speak that into existence. There, yep. there is a long list now. Like, now yes. it's like, all right. <laughs> like so. I think we need and, to put it together in, like, something that says, here are free ideas that somebody can take. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, credit exactly. us and give us our coins on the side. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Shout out to our Black queer icon, so. so. That's a good one. Well, I mean, that's a great transition into actual shout outs. So, uh, how we've made it to the end of this episode, I don't know, but... Maya, it has been so great having you on it's here. A great We're gonna conversation. Wrap up with yeah, that's been fun. Our shout outs. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and get started. Even though I haven't watched the most recent episode of the L Word, I'm still this character still deserves it. So Jillian Ricardo, who plays uh, Maribel on the L Word, just is absolutely winning this season. Just winning. Like I'm so glad that she's getting more like speaking parts. I'm so glad that she's getting featured more. Her humor is impeccable with the facial expressions and everything. Um, they, I know in the most recent episode that they actually did like a highlight on like sex and having um, sex with anybody who has a disability and like being able to work with that. And I just, those are the things that one, her personally having to like be able to go and like be comfortable with and be willing to like share that with a huge audience like shout out to you for that but also just like her being talented and hilarious and wonderful and it's just winning the season of the l word so shout out to jillian mercado from the l word yeah my Chris. shout out is to esther wallace the founder of playa society and yeah, play it with an A. Um, so Play a Society exists to inspire athletes with products that reflect core social values like gender equality and social justice. Um, just recently, the WNBA um, and Play a Society announced that they have an upcoming collection and collaboration going on. Ooh, so take my money. Yeah, no, seriously, all the designs are cool, really cool, like female athlete and you know, female like lead and black women of revolutionary shirts, just a lot of great products and merch so follow play a society on ig that is p-l-a-y-a society um and shop on playasociety.com shout out to esther that nice and i'm going to shout out kiana from the instagram page at healing is imperfect and kiana sometimes posts on the queer sex therapy page um that casey turner is it turner, turner. Yep. Tanner. 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 Okay. Um, she also sometimes posts on the queer sex therapy page with Casey Tanner. And I specifically want to shout out Kiana because she makes a lot of fantastic educational thought provoking content that I feel like makes me feel very seen and provides me with a lot of great thought starters. Um, so I want to shout out her page and I want to shout out the content that she posts on queer sex therapy. In addition to that, that entire page, the entire page is fabulous, but I want to shout her out specifically. And my what's the page again? Because that was like it's a cool name. Yes, at Healing is Imperfect 
on Instagram. This is like I'm following right now. Yeah, no, dead I'm doing ass. this. Like, <laughs> let me get like, my phone. Gonna it's do like it. repeat <laughs> for the listeners and for me. <laughs> mainly, so, yes. mainly for Chris. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. And then Maya, where can everybody find you? Where should they follow and like and subscribe to all of the amazing work that you're doing? Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is at intimacy with Maya. Um, and that's where you can find where I post weekly content around intimacy. Um, mostly, sometimes I'll do some other things just to show my personality. And um, that's where you can find me. All right. Oh, perfect. Maya, thank you so much for coming on and for all your work and the content that you put out. Like, it's really cool, like, being able to grow up in a time where there are people who look like us that are like studying intimacy and having these conversations because like you mentioned before, like a lot of it that is there is just like all right advice and then it, it'll have a little section for like if you're black it, it kind of sucks for you this doesn't work right <laughs> it's like, oh, great. So, so like <laughs> thank you so much for for all that you do and the content that you put out and mm-hmm. um everybody make sure you go follow maya and support maya yeah. okay thank you guys so much for having me this was such a joy yeah, thank you for joining us and for everybody else that was tuning in you know how it is we will see you next week Take care. This podcast was brought to you by the Her app, the largest LGBTQ plus dating and community app for women, trans and non-binary folks. Be sure to download the app in the Apple Store or Google Play Store. Shout out to Sienna Liggins for our amazing soundtrack and Cesar for making us sound like we know what we're doing. It's me again. Can we talk about things? I'm so sorry that I'm coming. Hey.